How did a cell phone help discover the oldest known sentence written with an alphabet? And what did the sentence say? <laughs> <laughs> I can only guess. What is Merriam-Webster's most researched word? Answers to those and other word questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to The Off-Ramp. A chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Okay. <laughs> Marcia, Merriam-Webster's yeah. most researched word. Yes. Every year they pick the most researched word. This is the 2022 word. You want to guess what it is? Does it have something to do with... COVID or the coronavirus or something like that? Uh, not the number one word, no. Can you give me any clues? <laughs> okay, it's a common term used today all the time, by, especially by young people. Okay. In language? Yes, yes. Language. And language. it actually means uh, psychological manipulation. Oh, or... is it gaslighting? Yes, that's oh, it. Oh, okay. Yes, gaslighting. And you know where it stems from, don't from you? From a famous movie. 1938 movie called Gaslight, which, did you ever see it? No, I didn't. It's, uh, it's really cool. The husband's trying to convince his wife she's going insane, and he keeps turning down the gaslight. And so she says, it's getting darker in here? And he says, no, dear. <laughs> no, it's not. And he keeps making it darker and darker. Okay, so that was the most researched word, and it's psychological manipulation or grossly misleading someone. You always, you hear people say, he's trying to gaslight me mm -hmm. quite often. You want to guess some of the other words? They're kind of all words that come right out of the news. Oh, really? Okay, came out of the news. So T Top stories in the news. There were a lot of things that came out of the uh, Queen Elizabeth's death. There were all these little rituals, British rituals people never heard of before. Was any related to that? Queen consort, that okay, was a word. Okay. It's the king's Camilla. Oh, okay. All right. So his companion, yeah. who isn't a royal, but it's the queen, right. queen consort. All right. Correct. What Correct. are some of the others then? Okay. Oligarch. It's the very rich having political influence in places like Russia. Mm -hmm. Another top one. What's the strain of COVID, COVID right uh, now? Uh, Omicron. That's it. Codify. That's come up a lot. Oh, that probably came up after the Supreme Court case on, That's uh, right. on abortion. Roe Ro versus Wade. That's so codify very... is like how you basically take something and turn it into law. You codify it very or codify good. it. Okay. That's it. Sentient, giving artificial intelligence a human-like quality. And this is one of my favorite, Lomi, which is a combination <laughs> of uh, soil mixture. And why I like it is because millions of people looked up this word because it was the answer in a wordle test. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which Sounds is like a... one of my old friends, Lomi. I remember him in the neighborhood. <laughs> Down-to-earth guy. What yeah, can I say? Yeah, he was wonderful. Okay. All right, Marcia, how did a cell phone help discover the oldest known sentence written with an alphabet? And what did the word say? Oh, this I want to hear the answer to. I don't know, but I'd like to know. Okay, first of all, the sentence. It's believed to be 3,700 years old, and it says, may this tusk root out the lice of the hair and the beard. Oh, my God. It's like, let's root out the lice. <laughs> and it's believed that sentence was engraved 3,700 years ago on a tiny ivory comb. 
<gasps> about the size of a child's thumb. Oh my gosh! It was found in Israel on a comb. Here's a picture of it. It's a That's tiny little thing. Yeah, wow, little it, teeth there. Yeah. It's the writing of the Canaanites, an ancient people credited with developing the earliest forms of what would be today's alphabet. The New York Times reports that the 17 letters on the comb form the oldest full sentence ever found. I'll be darned. Isn't that interesting? And it's about lice. Who knew? So how did a smartphone help reveal this thing? Oh yeah, thing? that was the question, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. So this artifact, this little thing, had been in storage for five years in Israel, and then in 2022, a researcher from Hebrew University retrieved it and put it under a microscope, and she focused on the comb. Then she took a picture of the whole artifact,、uh-huh. and that's when she zoomed in, like we do with our fingers on our pictures,、uh-huh. and she found. These seventeen letters, each less than a tenth of an inch long. Wow! So she sent that picture to her fellow researchers. They were all stunned. She said everybody had had this comb in their hand, but no, no. one saw the inscription. No kidding! That is hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. So a comb, a phone, and a misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> and lice, lice. And, Get rid of that lice. It's wh- always been a problem wh- in people's what, hair.、Uh, how long ago was that? Three thousand seven hundred years that ago. A, that is a little while ago. Okay, so Bob, I'm going to go to famous movie lines. Okay. Okay, I'm going to give you choices, and you're going to tell me different things. Like the first famous line I'm going to give you is from Casablanca.、Mm-hmm. You have to tell me which line is it. Is it "Play it again, Sam"? Play it, Sam, or play as time goes by, Sam. <sighs> I think he said, "Play it, Sam. You did it for her. Now do it for me." I think it was that. Play it, Sam. Play it. You're so upset. <laughs> I'm feeding you these, aren't play I? Play it, Sam. Play well, it. You well, did it for her. You do it for me. Well, you're right. It was play it, Sam. But、mm-hmm. it was Ingrid Bergman that said it. She said, "Play it, Sam." Oh, really? Yeah. And then later, Humphrey Bogart said, says, "Yeah, you played it for her. Play it for me." No、yeah. kidding. So <laughs>、yeah. he didn't even say it originally. No. So、and、then, she, after she left, he said, "You play it for her. You play it for yeah, me." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was angry. So here's a quote from a famous mobster movie: "Say hello to my little friend." Unquote. Is that from The Godfather, Scarface, or Dirty Harry? Wow, I only saw two of those. Oh, that's enough. Ah,、uh, sounds like a Clint Eastwood line, actually. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> What am I giving you these? <laughs> Your portfolio of voices. I didn't even think of this. Probably from Scarface. That's it. Okay. You deduced it because you saw the other two. Yeah. Al Pacino, who portrays a Capone-like character, said it. I I don't want to know what he was referring to, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I assume it's a gun. Hopefully. Okay. Here's one. There's no crying in baseball. Who did Tom Hanks say that to? Gina, uh, what's her no, last name? Uh, well, they're using their real names: Evelyn Gardner, Doris Murphy, or Dottie Hinson. I think he said it to Doris Murphy. Evelyn Gardner. Okay. <laughs> She was crying because the Hanks character said to her, "Start using your head. That's the lump three feet above your ass." Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't either. Tom Hanks actually said that. Yeah, in a、oh. league of her own. That I don't remember that line, but everybody remembered. There's no crying in baseball.、Okay. Yes, yes. All right. According to the good, bad, and ugly, Bob, there are only two kinds of people. What does the first type have? Is it spurs, cojones, or loaded guns? Which movie was this? Good, bad, and the ugly. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Okay. Again, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I can't remember what he said. No, Mm. I don't know the answer to that. Well, just guess. You got one in three. Cojones. I would have thought that, too. The full quote delivered by the character called Blondie in the 1966 Clint Eastwood movie. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. Oh, dear. (laughs) Dig your grave is what that was. Okay, the last one here, okay? Okay. What scary movie had the creepy line, they're here? The little girl that was in um, the Poltergeist That's it. I didn't even have to give you the three choices. Yeah. She saw them coming on the TV set. Yes. Yes, I remember that. Oh, I do have one more. That was one of our first dates. You remember that? Yeah. We were going to see a a romantic movie, and we went to see the Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. It kind of ruined it. Yeah. (laughs) But I was so enamored with you. Who saw the movie? Oh, gosh. What Meg Ryan movie features the line, I'll have what she's having? Was it You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle, or When Harry Met Sally? It's When Harry Met Sally. That's right. With it, Billy Crystal. That's right. Okay. I'll have what she's having. Who said it? Do you remember? That uh, that was the director's mother. Yes, it was. And the director was? Rob Reiner. That's it. Okay. Good for you. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a great thing to be uh, get your parent in a film you're producing. I hope our kids remember that. Oh, when they <laughs> start producing their own. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, I've got a question for you. What's the very first sport that women played in the Olympics? Any idea? What's the very, very first, first? This was sport. the 1900 Olympics. Oh, God. 1900. Well, what were they playing? Well, actually, there were five games women could compete in this first Olympics they could compete in. Was it in. golf? That, that was, was one of them. Five games were played. What was the first? Swimming. Croquet. Oh, I was going to say that, and I thought <laughs> that wasn't an Olympic sport, but it was. Yeah, it was. Croquet, and then the others were equestrianism, or horse riding, golf, sailing, and tennis. There were 997 athletes in the 1900 Olympics, and 22 were women. So that first year, they were only 2.2% of the athletes. Oh, gosh. Well, here, Bob, here's, here's one of your favorite subjects, the NFL. The largest defeat in NFL history was the Chicago Bears over the former Washington Redskins in 1940. Want to guess what the score was? Oh, what the score was. So it probably went up above 40. Yep. Was it in the 70s? It was. Okay, what was it, like 79 to nothing? or It was 73 to zero. I remember this. I remember you do? reading, yeah, I remember you reading about it. Were you there in 1940? No, I wasn't there. <laughs> God. <laughs> Okay, that's a good one. All right, I've got some more word origin questions here, Marsha. All right. Paisley. Where does that word come from? It's a place name. Paisley. It's a place name? Yeah, it got its name originally from a place. Oh, Paisley in England. No, not Paisley, England. (laughs) It's not where your relatives come from? Paisley, Scotland. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, originally, that pattern is from India or Persia. Yeah. It's been in the Middle East and Asia since at least 200 A.D., but when its European popularity boomed and imports couldn't keep up with the demand, various cities produced their own, including the town of Paisley in Scotland. So they produced a copycat, a knockoff of the original designs, but the name of the design now is Paisley. I'll be darned. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Okay, another one, Chantilly Lace. Ah, well, that's lace from Chantilly. Where's Chantilly? Well, you, everybody knows that. Okay, then that's... I'm asking you. Oh. If everybody knows, you could tell oh. me. Where I, is Chantilly? Uh, where I say everything is England, but I'll say since it's lace, 
Where's that place you went to and brought me back the lace from? Brussels, Belgium. Is it from Brussels? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's from France. Chantilly, doesn't that sound Chantilly. like a name in France? Yes, of course. Yeah. The style of lace making dates back to the 1600s. The majority of lace was actually produced elsewhere, but this lace gets its name from the town of Chantilly okay. in France. In France. Okay. One more NFL question, and this you should know because it is famous history. Okay. The 1972 Miami Dolphins were the only NFL team to do what? Hmm. The only NFL team to do what? Mm-hmm. The Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Oh, okay, good. They went 16-0 to zero and even won the Super Bowl. They had one perfect NFL season wow. 50 years ago. I never, remember that team. Never happened again. I remember that team because I think their quarterback was actually from Evansville, Indiana. And his name was? Bob Greasy, and he was from Evansville, Indiana. Okay. So, which I was living about 75 miles from there at the time, so oh, it was a big a, deal. That's exciting. Big deal. Very exciting. All right. Our, I have a question for you on singing sand. Singing sand. Singing sand. What is singing sand? Answer the question. You have 12 seconds. Thank you. It is sand. When you're walking on it, that squeaks so loud, it sounds like it's singing. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like that, but it's not when you walk on it. According to Britannica, during sand avalanches, yeah. some desert dunes vibrate like musical instruments, really? creating a massive noise. Scientists call the dunes singing sand, and for the record, they say the sand usually sings in the notes of G, E, or F. Really? So well, if you ever I, hear singing sand... I will Google that. Actually, I want to hear it. Does it... Do a little song? like I don't think there's a little song and dance patter or anything like sunset that. Sunset in the Sahara, something like that. Okay. Singing sand, Marsha. That's what it's all time about. Time for a break, my dear. <laughs> okay, it's time to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. We're back with The Off-Ramp for the Cedarburg Public Library and the uh, CPL radio internet station and, of course, all of our podcast platforms around the world. Right here, Bob and Marcia Smith <laughs> with questions. Okay, Marcia, we had the uh, question on the oldest sentence found. Yes. This is not written by that person. Oh, okay. But who is the oldest known author in the world? She's the subject of a Metropolitan Museum exhibit right now. So it's a woman. I was going to say Plato or... Homer or Herodotus or something like that. Yeah. No, people would say that. But no, they believe the earliest known author was a woman named Enhudwana who was writing more than a millennium before them. Really? And Hudwana. Uh-huh. And Hudwana is believed to have been a priestess and the daughter of King Sargon of Akkad. <laughs> And in 1927, there was a disc from Mesopotamia found that was dating to around 2300 B.C. at the ancient Sumerian city of Ur, U.R. It bore the name Enhudwana, written with a starburst symbol, and included her image. And in the century since that discovery, 42 of her temple hymns and three standalone poems have been identified. Her work also includes... An account of sexual abuse, too. Or sex really? Sexual harassment. There's a piece of writing that describes her abuse at the hands of a corrupt priest. Of him she wrote, He has turned that temple into a house of ill repute, forcing his way in as if he were an equal. He dared approach me in his lust. Dark, yeah. Translated with an exclamation point. Wow, so pretty hot stuff, huh? Things don't change, no. do they? Jeez. That passage is believed to be the first reference to sexual harassment in world wow. literature. Well, what was her people? Was she a Sumerian? Yes, it was the uh, ancient Sumerian city of Ur's where they found this. I'll be darned. Her works can be seen in this exhibition, She Who Wrote, at, 
at the <laughs> Metropolitan Museum of Art. Wow, that's pretty amazing. I never heard of her. So, Bob. Yes. Where is the most elevated border in the world? The highest border in the world. It's the one between China and, oh, what is the other country? It's a, one that goes through um, Mount Everest. Very good. Yeah. And well, Nepal. What's the, Nepal, yes. Yeah. It's the world's tallest mountain, and it's the world's highest border. It goes right through the summit, the border does. And uh, did you know they just recently found three more feet? They re... <laughs> They remeasured it. Both. Yes, they keep remeasuring it. Yeah, yeah, they keep doing it. And both sides did, and they found it was three feet taller. So it comes in now at 29,032 feet. In case wow, 29,032. And who plants that sign up there that says, this That's is my the, country? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, That's recently, right. do you remember this? NASA sent a spacecraft called DART, which careened into an asteroid, and it claimed success in knocking that asteroid off yes, course? Yes, yes, I do. That asteroid that was hit was a small asteroid which was orbiting a larger asteroid as it moved in space. Did you know that? No, I, that part I didn't know. I didn't either. And prior to the NASA collision, the smaller asteroid took 11 hours, 55 minutes to rotate around the big one. After it was hit, it took 32 minutes less. It was 32 minutes faster. Oh. While NASA's experiment was like running a golf cart into the Great Pyramid of Giza, that golf cart was going at 14,000 miles an hour. That bodes well for the future. Yeah, fast enough to change uh, the asteroid speed and therefore its path. So a future asteroid threatening the world, NASA has at least one way to handle it. So was was Earth in imminent danger of this or no. were they just practicing? This was a test. They thought, okay. well, here, let's see. Look at that out there. Let's see if we can hit one, you know, tap that thing. Yeah. And it was called DART, which meant Double Asteroid Redirection Test. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that. Okay, Bob, here's an intriguing question. Mm -hmm. Where do 99% of Finnish people visit at least once a week? Finnish people. Finnish. These are not finished people like it's the end of their life. No, They're from Finland. Finland. Okay. Finlanders. They visit spas. No. Okay, where do they visit? They go to saunas. Okay, well, I, I guess that's what I was thinking when I said spas. Yes, but just as England loves its tea and the Netherlands loves its bicycles, Finland loves its saunas, and they go so much that 99% of Finns go at least once a week. That's hard to believe. I read that earlier, too. Yeah, they go to a sauna, so it's a big deal. What when you're living in the subarctic climate yeah, up yeah, there, of course. Is. Well, when I lived, did I tell you that? Up in the... Uh, Marquette, Michigan. Where it was always so cold and a lot of uh, Finlanders lived up there. That, uh, yeah, they'd go in the sauna and then they'd come out and jump in a snowbank. And it was it certainly got your... Organs pounding. <laughs> it got your blood rushing, didn't oh it? Oh, my God. It was <laughs> So you, you did that once and wrote an article about it as yeah. a reporter, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. I yeah. bet that was fun. Yeah, oh, it was thrilling. <laughs> there were around 3.3 million saunas in the country of just 5.5 million people. So Didn't you do one on skinny dipping and actually skinny dip or jump into the ice water or something like no, that? No, not not I guess skinny. that's just something that was in my imagination. Okay. Anyway, the saunas are everywhere, homes, offices, even factories and underground mines have their own saunas. Wow. They totally believe in the health benefits, benefits of, that. of a sauna, yes. Yeah, I bet they do. And it's backed by research coming out today that shows visiting these uh, saunas and steamy sites, it's associated with a reduction in the risk of high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Maybe we should move on <laughs> to my boring question. Yeah. What's the origin of the word intercom? 
That's true. Not intercourse, Marsh. No, it's oh, intercom. That is titillating. Oh, boy. Okay, what's intercom. the word? Uh, what's the origin well, of the it's word communication intercom? between rooms. Between rooms, okay. Inter, intercommunication. Is it anywhere close to that? Intercommunication, yes. Okay. It goes back to the telephone industry. Starting in the 1890s, large companies began purchasing private branch telephone exchanges to link their multiple locations, and these intercommunicating telephones became known as intercoms. I see. So that's where it came from. Finland, Bob. Think. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need intercoms. They don't need intercoms. It's come right. Okay. Okay, Mr. History. Where was the primary starting point of the Oregon Trail? It was in St. Louis. No. Not in St. Louis? No. I thought it started in St. Louis. Yeah, that was that. I think that was, uh, what's his name and what's his name? Oh, Lewis and Clark. That's yeah. right. So the Oregon Trail started, was it farther north? Independence, Missouri. Oh, okay. So Independence, Missouri was the start of the so, Oregon Trail, not St. Right. Louis. So they're no. both in Missouri. So yeah. do I get any points for that at all? No. Okay. <laughs> all right, Marcia, uh, I have another factoid on language and writing. I think this is interesting. Now visualize the letter A. Okay. The DNA of the earliest alphabet can be found in writing, and the letter A is an example. The letter A looks a bit like a cow staring at you. Are we talking capital or small? Capital A. Okay. Two legs supporting a head. Okay. That corresponds to the Hebrew letter Aleph, A-L-E-P-H, which corresponds to the ancient Semitic word for ox. So look at a letter A, think of an ox looking at you, and that's what... That's where that letter actually came from, the symbol for ox going back thousands of years. That's <laughs> kind of fun. Uh-huh. Okay, Bob. Is the air drier, Bob, on an airplane than in the Sahara Desert? I think it is. Yes, it is. The Sahara has around 25% humidity, and the average airplane cabin has 20%. So if your passages are drying up and you're hacking on the plane, it's because of the lack of humidity. Well, that makes sense. Yes. I always thought the air was very dry on a plane. Yes, it is. Can I give you one quick factoid of facts? Sure. Uh-huh. American Airlines saved $40,000 after removing one olive from its salads in the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. See, that shows you even the smallest things. Yeah. The yeah. smallest things. Adds up. God. So they removed olives and how much? No, one olive. One olive from, from a the salad. salad. Yeah. And they saved what? $40,000. Oh, my God. Well, you know, lunches were better on planes back they then. They sure were. They don't have olives now, no, I'll tell you no, that. No. Lucky to get a salad. You got to beg for them. All right, two more names and where they came from. Rottweiler. Hmm. Rottweiler, that's a dog, right? Uh, Rottweiler, is that from a German town? Yes. Rottweil. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rottweil, Germany, that's where they originated. They were used to herd livestock and pull carts. So that came from there. Okay, limo. Limousines, right? So so are we talking about the full word limousine or? The full word limousine. Where does it come from? Mm-hmm. Limousine. Uh, and the first limos were built in 1902. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that. They got their name from a French region, limousine, L-I-M-O-U-S-I-N, either because people thought the cloth covering on the back of the cars resembled the distinctive hoods worn by shepherds in limousine, or because limousine drivers wore similar cloaks to protect themselves from the elements. Ah. And one more, the Charleston. Is that, that isn't from the uh, dance. North Carolina? No, not Charleston, North Carolina. Is that where Charleston is? No, it's Charleston, South Carolina, Marshall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the answer. Okay. Yeah, the Charleston was popularized in a song of the 1923 Broadway show Running Wild 
The choreography for the show is most likely original, but the style came from the Juba dances, Juba, J-U-B-A, the moves that originated among slaves on plantations, variations of which remain popular with African Americans in southern cities like Charleston, South Carolina. So mm-hmm. they named the dance after Charleston, South Carolina, Marsha, South. Thank you. I know that. I, You know, geography is my life, Bob. Well, I always cover those things like Charleston and the Carolinas. See, (laughs) and everybody, okay. Just cover it. Yeah. The term aloof, Bob, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning emotionally or physically removed from something. Usually it's snobbish or snooty. The word aloof, you know where that comes from? No, uh uh-uh. The word loof is one of those nautical terms. We always say everything comes from nautical terms. From the early 16th century, and it meant windward direction or the weather side of the ship. Oh, that really? Was, that okay. was the loof. And the helmsman directed the ship into the wind to keep it from blowing into the coastal line. Right. So his command was hold aloof. Oh. Uh, and it took on the general meaning of keeping clear. Keeping clear or avoiding something. Yeah, aloof. of the coastal line. Wow, that's pretty cool. Hold so it was aloof. a nautical term. Yeah. Hmm, that's good. Okay, aloof. And here's another word question. How did the word lemon become associated with a disappointing purchase or investment? Oh, that's a good, lemon laws and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good question. Is it because lemons disappoint when you eat them first because they're sour? (laughs) That's a good guess. Yeah? Nope, nope. That's what I would think. Yeah, this goes back to 1910 and the first rotating slot machines, which actually paid off in chewing gum back then. (laughs) But, and as it is today, if a lemon symbol comes up, there's no payout. You lost. Because in the chewing gum, they didn't have the flavor lemon. Oh, is that they it? They had cherries and they had other things, but they didn't have lemons. So, so if the lemon got... comes up, you don't get your chewing gum. Yeah. I'll be darned. That's funny. Oh, that's good. Okay. To date, what do you think approximately, Bob, the speed of the fastest tennis ball serve has been? Well, I'm, I imagine it's like baseball. It approaches 90 miles an hour, something like that. Well, that's a human hand throwing it, but this is a racket hitting it, so it'd probably be faster. Okay, what's the answer? 163.7 miles per hour. Whoa! I know! Don't want that thing coming at my face. Right in your eye or something. Oh my God! That was hit by Australian tennis star Sam Groth in 2021. Jeez, 160 miles an hour. 163 plus. Okay, and then the term jaywalker. This is a good one. Why is jaywalker, why does that mean a person who's crossing the street at the wrong place? Because the term jay meant something years ago. Do you know what it was? No. Jay was slang for foolish person. Really? You're jay? Yeah, so when a pedestrian ignored street signs, he was a jaywalker. I'll be done. <laughs> That's where it came from. I didn't know that. Jay. I thought jay. maybe it was the shape of the, you know, he looped around here to there and it looked like a jay, yeah. but no. Yeah. J meant you're foolish. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bob, here's a quote from one of my favorite writers, Nora Ephron. What my mother believed about cooking is that if you worked hard and prospered, someone else would do it for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of my thinking today. It's my thinking on yard work, too. Yeah, yeah. But so far, I'm still doing it. Yeah, we are stuck. Oh, my. And here's one by Norman Vincent Peale. The trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Oh, that's true. Isn't that a good one? That's absolutely true. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed our trivia, treasures, facts, and um, 
Should I tell you how good you did today? No, I don't want to know about All that. your voices were so good. Let's move on. Okay. Would you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again when we return next time with more fun trivia here on The, the Off-Ramp. Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarburg Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin.